Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Halitech Hall. It is Double A and Mr. Michael Halitech. We are back after a little break, and we're ready to get at it. Training camp is upon us. How you doing, Mr. Halitech? Double A. It's great to be back. We took a we took a little bit of break due to some scheduling conflicts, and I think now through the rest of the season, the uh, hashtag March to Miami starts today. It's a uh, I can't tell you how excited I am that this is uh, finally upon us. The uh, rookies reported to uh, Bourbon A a couple of days ago. The uh, veterans are marching through the uh, uh, dorms today, and they get started on, on Friday. And then I think the first practice open to the public is on Saturday. So uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun year, Double A. So. Uh, I can't wait to get this thing started. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to be going down there with my son uh, Sunday morning. Um, so we're excited for that. Uh, it'll be great. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of people there and a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz. So uh, looking forward to it, uh, definitely. So let's get started. Speaking of uh, training camp, I think what we want to do on Halitech Hall each episode is we want to go back into history a little bit because you know we are studying the bears on Halitech hall their history it's 100 years no other team in the league can say that so we'd like to take a little bit of time each episode to talk about historical aspects of this franchise and uh, training camp the bears started training camps in the 30s and all the leagues followed suit. So we're going to actually take a trip back, and and uh, we're going to post a little fun on, on Twitter after this podcast is over to see how many training campsites you can name besides Platteville and Olivet Nazarene University. Um, of course, you if you you can't answer it if you hear the show, so you got to go online and do it now. Uh, before uh, before we post this uh, to uh, to YouTube and to Podbean, so um, you know, Aaron, it's been a long long history of, of training camps dating all the way back to 1930. It was the first time the Bears had a camp outside of Chicago or Decatur. The first couple of years they were they were in business, so uh, it's fun to take a look back. Um, they've been. They have not been uh, at obviously they couldn't they couldn't have their practices at Wrigley Field because of course the the Cubs are still playing in, in July and August so they had to have some organized team activities away from away from uh, Chicago and they actually started in 1930 going all the way back to a little place called Mills. Stadium. I don't even know if Mills Stadium is still there today. Probably not. But uh, they were in Chicago for for three years, in each in different locations. They played. Uh, they had their training camp at Mills Stadium in 1930. They actually had their camp at Loyola University in 1931, and then Logan Square Ballpark in 1932. I have no idea if any of those places are still in existence today. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, certainly Loyola is, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I was obviously 
not a a big um, you know operation. I'm sure at that time. I mean, you know, uh, I'm not. I, I you'll have to remind me of what the era was, but I mean, during the the, the old uh, barnstorming days, they were literally playing games inside. <laughs> so you know, you sort of imagine um, uh, football uh, being you know, kind of like a, almost like a pickup game, um, atmosphere, uh, at that time, uh, you know, and so, you know, not that it wasn't any big deal, but it wasn't, I mean, to, to, <clears throat> to a lot of people, I mean, I think you've mentioned on this show that, um, you know, the, the bears had to pay the newspaper to be covered in the early days. And, um, so, uh, a far cry from, from the massive, uh, production that training camp is now, uh, with all the, uh, bells and whistles and souvenir shops and tents and uh, cameras and um, you know it's uh, it, it was uh, I'm sure uh, kind of like a glorified uh, fitness class uh, <laughs> at that time on a, on some dusty fields and um, you know but it was still the Bears and uh, you know it was still it's it's part of their history and and as you said I think it's pretty cool that they're the ones that uh, much like a lot of uh, things we see throughout NFL history they're the ones that started it. The Bears have had their training camp sites in three different states: uh, Wisconsin, Indiana, and of course Illinois. And the first time they were outside of the state of Illinois came in the fourth year of training camps in 1933, when they actually had their camp at the University of Notre Dame. And until we did some research for this show, I never knew. So it's it's fun to go back in history and, and learn about this team, even though, you know, we, we both like to think we know a lot about the Bears uh, going through this exercise on, on the hall uh, really gives us an opportunity to dig into this team and sink our teeth into the history and the rich history that it is of Bears Bears football. They came back to Illinois uh, for one year in 1934. Uh, Lane Tech uh, High School. Lane Tech, I think they called it Academy back then. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and... Every time I come down to uh, to go to a Cubs game, I I go right past Lane Tech, and that uh, the stadium that's next door uh, is absolutely uh, an incredible uh, architectural feat. Love, I would love to actually go to a Loyola game or a, a Lane Tech game, mm-hmm. and and just sit in there and just just soak up the history of that stadium, but they, yeah. the, the Bears played uh, at Lane Tech or had their training camp in Lane, Lane Tech in 1934. That was the last year where they went to different venues from year to year to year. In 1935, they went up to Delafield, Wisconsin, to uh, St. John's Military Academy, and they held their their training camp there for the next 10 seasons from 19. 19- 35 to 1943. And uh, for those of us that uh, are aware, those were the glory years of the Bears. That's, uh, you know, the the three uh, titles that they had in the 40s. They were one of the most dominant teams in the 30s and the 40s. So uh, a lot of rich history uh, of the Bears. And their training camp was actually not too far away from Milwaukee. Uh, after that, 
um, George Hallis signed a uh, an agreement to hold training camp at a little place called St. Joseph's College. St. Joseph's College was located in Rensselaer, Indiana. I have to look on the map to see where Rensselaer is. I know it's not that far from Chicago, but they had camped there for 31 years. They were there from 1944 until 1974. So, uh, you know, Buckus was there. Uh, Sayers was there. Uh, Billy Wade, Ed Obradovich, they were, they all were there. And, and the training camp back then was nothing like it is today because, because players today, they're, they train all year round. They want to keep their body in top shape. And you always heard stories of, uh, of these guys coming to camp out of shape and using training camp with the nutcrackers and the two-a-days and how physical it was. And they used camp to get into football shape. But if they tried to do that uh, this uh, during this era of football, they wouldn't make it the first week through training camp and they would be out on their ass. So uh, a lot of fun stories came out of, out of Rensselaer. Uh, there was a tragedy that occurred back in 1964. Uh, two Bears players, two important Bears players. Bo Farrington was a wide receiver, and the running back, Willie Gallimore, were on their way to Rensselaer, and they were in a car accident that ended up taking both of their lives. And uh, I can remember as a kid how uh, how absolutely remorseful my, my dad was because, you know, I got my passion for Bears football from, from my father, as I'm sure many of the people that follow this podcast have done likewise. And he was just absolutely beside himself in, in grief when news came out that that, that Bo Farrington and, and Willie Gallimore were, were killed on the way to training camp. After Lake Forest, or I'm sorry, after Rensselaer, the Bears actually held their camp for the next eight or nine years right in Lake Forest at, at Lake Forest College. And then after that, the Bears moved from 1984 to 2001. So that encompassed the Super Bowl year of 85 and the dominant defenses of the mid-80s. And camp was held at uh, UW Platteville. That's in the southwest corner of the state. And I had the pleasure of of going to that camp in 1985, uh, my my youngest or my oldest son uh, was not quite a year old, and I'm literally holding him over a chain link fence, and none other than than William Perry came up and uh, and kind of patted him on his head and took took my my uh, little uh, program that I had and autographed it for me. I wish I still had it. You know, but uh, so the, the memories of, of being there for, for that 85 training camp, ironically, the next time I went to a training camp was in Burbank in 2006. And so both times I was at training camps in 85 and 2006, they went to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, that didn't work in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So the Bears played uh, or held their their camp at UW Platteville all the way through the 2001 uh, preseason. In 2002, they moved to uh, what is now their their training camp home at Olivet Nazarene University down in Bourbon A. And for those of you who have never been there, uh, they do a really nice job. If you're planning on going to um, any of the training camp open sessions to the public, there are only eight, but you have to know a couple of things. Uh, practices start early. They're, I think they're around 8.15 for the most part. Um, you have to have a ticket. You have to go to chicagobears.com and get a ticket to attend training camp. If you don't have a ticket, you can't get in. The good news is the tickets are free, and they're plentiful. So um, I would definitely take it upon yourself to, to go to chicagobears.com, arrange to get a ticket, and go and have a great time. I'm sure it's going to be packed. I mean, in 2006, the Bears were absolutely the, the you know, they were, they were big talk that preseason, and the camps were just packed every day. And in recent years, hasn't been that way. Of course, we went through the Fox years. We went through the Trestman years. Even the, the tail end of the Lovey Smith years, training camp attendance started to dwindle. And, and it was amazing on, on the lack of fans. But there were still a bunch of hardcore fans that would always attend. But this year, that place is going to be packed and it's going to be packed every single day. So uh, while we're at it, I'm going to I'm going to take a minute to go over the the dates that you can actually go and see the Bears uh, at camp down in Bourbon A. And there's one day in Chicago at the uh, the Fan Fest. So we'll start there. The Fan Fest is Saturday, so it's a week from Saturday, August third. They they do a great job. With Fan Fest, they have a fireworks show afterwards, so uh, you don't have to go all the way down to Bourbon A to, to see that. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, starting this week, they are going to have camp open to the public. Then they're going to be closed on Tuesday and Wednesday to the public. They'll be open Thursday, October 1st, Friday, October 2nd. Then they're going to be not open to the public that weekend. Then they open up again on Monday, 8-5, and Tuesday, 8-6. They're closed on 8-7. They play their first preseason game on the 8th. They go back to Bourbon A for one last practice open to the public on Saturday, the 10th of August, and then they return back to Lake Forest where they they complete the, the preseason. So, um Guys, if you have not yet been to a training camp, it is a lot of fun. Uh, go take your kids, bring a football, and throw it around with your boys. There are plenty of opportunities to get autographs. Uh, there is a tunnel that comes from where the, 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 the guys get dressed and walk out to the practice field, and that is the best place to get interviews, especially when practice is over. A few guys will do some autographs before. They'll come out a little early, and they will give you some, some autographs before practice, but by far the biggest time to get autographs is after practice is over. 
Uh, and always call them by, don't call them by number. You know, it's, it's Mr. Smith, it's Mr. Mack, it's Mr. Trubisky. They will respond better by addressing them as people than by numbers. So don't say, hey, number 10, can I get your autograph? Not going to work. Right. Well, and the good and the good part is, and I was amazed how many people didn't know this, but they they hand you a card and it has the whole, you know, 90 man roster on it with all their numbers and names, because, you know, uh, you don't know necessarily some of the new guys. Um, and I, I that was one thing that I was kind of like shaking my head about is how many people over by the autograph things were just yelling, you know, 68, 68. You know, come over here, and it's like clearly you don't care about this person's autograph. You don't even know who it is. You know, like so. Uh, you know, it's just take a second and look at the back of the card, and quickly say, you know, hey, say their name. And you're right. I mean, the chances of them coming over, especially if there's somebody that's new. Um, you know, like let's say, uh, you know, who's wearing number fifty this year is uh, Chuck Harris. You know, uh, I guarantee you that 99% of the people at camp are going to be yelling, 50, 50, come over here. You know, so um, I will say also with regards to the Soldier Field uh, thing, make sure to give yourself plenty of time because that is right smack during Lollapalooza this year. Um, so that whole area is going to be extra, extra packed um, right by Grant Park and, and uh, the stadium uh, as well, and uh, it happens to be my birthday that day as well. I'll be at work, unfortunately, because <laughs> we are busy. Um, we are busy uh, typically for Lollapalooza, um, you know, because lots of people in town, and then obviously I think there'll be a lot of people in, t- in the area for the for that uh, event at Soldier Field as well. But I was online, and and the tickets are cheap. I mean, they're ten dollars, you know, um, for for good seats in the, you know, lower, in the lower, uh, you know, in the 200s. Um, you, it, this was last week, but you can still get them. Uh, you know, there's, if you want like upfront close, you know, they're all sold, but if you want to get in there, they're $10 seats. You probably have to pay $25 to park, but um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I still recommend it. I, I kind of kicked around the idea of going, but I can't get out of working. Um, even though I'm the boss, but whatever, um, I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel right if, uh, if the restaurant was getting its butt kicked while I was <laughs> at Soldier Field. So, um, but yeah, that's, I, I recommend it. My last year, my, my last year was my first year at camp and it was really fun. Um, you know, it's very relaxed. Uh, it's, it's, uh, really close up access. Um, you really get to see all the sites and, um, you know, they're just, the players are right there, you know, and you get to see everything and, um, cheer them on and, uh, really get a behind the scenes kind of look at some of the things that they do. And then they've got a uh, souvenir shop and different photo opportunities and things uh, for the kids to do. Uh, they had a whole like obstacle course and, um, sort of like play area for the kids set up last year. I'm sure it'll be the same. Um, and, uh, Bourbon is a, a, you know, a fun little central Illinois town. There's, you know, little restaurants and, um, so forth. And so you can kind of make a day of it, but yeah, I mean, I would recommend, you know, it's a, like I are going on Sunday and it's about an hour from my house. Uh, it's about 53 miles from my house. Um, you know, so I'm going to 
try to be down there by 7.30 for it to open up at 8.15. Um, we'll see how that goes, getting my 8-year-old out of the house that early. But we'll give it a shot. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and then uh, it's supposed to be pretty warm. So I always recommend make sure you, uh, you know, dress dress appropriately, drink lots of water. And, um, you know, they will let you bring in uh, food and whatnot. They're not too crazy about checking bags or things like that. Um, and I, I know we mentioned this before, but this, this year they are restricting video um, taking and, um, you know, broadcasting. Um, so my sense is that they're probably going to do a lot more of their own. I've already seen uh, online today there's a lot of videos from Brown's camp. Um, that are coming out, um, so maybe maybe they've lifted some of the restrictions, or they could be going the complete other way, um, and just they want to keep everything under wraps, which um, I'm fine with. I mean, the less people see, uh, you know, David Montgomery and these new running backs on tape, the better for me, because that just means uh, more surprise when they come out. <clears throat> and uh and see it but yeah it's it's a fun time it really um you know last year when i when i went to training camp at the beginning of the year it kind of just gave me even more of a feeling of ownership of of this of that team and it just made it even more fun you know kind of seeing it from beginning to end you know so good times uh definitely recommend going out there you mentioned tickets to the fan fest at soldier field and uh, i haven't been to one of those in a long time. Uh, so let me ask you a question that maybe some of our, our listeners, our followers might have that same question so we can address it on the show today. Is it a science seating or is it general admission? For the Soldier Field event? Yes. I believe it is a signed seating. So from what I saw uh, you from what I saw you buy specific uh, seats. So I, I don't know. So yeah. I thought uh, that would be, well, you know what? We'll check into that, guys. We will post it uh, on our Twitter account at both the tailgate and at Halitech Hall. So, mm-hmm. uh, guys, if you can get down to one of the, the events, at uh, the eight events at Bourbon A or the Fan Fest at Soldier Field, it's a lot of fun. So go down, enjoy it, and um, – you know, it'll be it's going to be interesting because uh, after we review the uh, the preseason schedule here momentarily, we're going to talk about some of the position battles that uh, uh, I think are going to be important in in, uh, in this particular training camp. So, with that being said, the, the training camp or the the preseason schedule shakes out this way: the Bears open at home, then they have two road games, then they finish again at home. So on August 8th, the Carolina Panthers come into town. Uh, it's an evening game. It's a Thursday night game. So uh, uh, that's the only time you're going to see the Bears starters at home this year uh, before the regular season starts because you know damn well since they held up most of their starters last year, and they went 12 and four. They're not going to change. You can you can be damn sure that that the Bears are going to hold out almost all of their starters through the the, the last half of, of the preseason schedule. After that, they visit New York, 
on Friday night, uh, the 16th, uh, they played the Giants at uh, that absolutely gorgeous stadium in New Jersey. And then they play in Indianapolis. It's a Saturday game before they finish up on Thursday, uh, August 29th with the Tennessee Titans coming into town. So um, I'm going to be at the uh, Carolina game. Uh, it, we're speaking of birthdays. Uh, we've got a couple of very special birthdays to talk about at the end of the show, but uh, uh, August 8th happens to be my wife's birthday. So I'm going to, we're going to go down to Chicago, spend the afternoon along the lakefront to go to uh, uh, Navy Pier and then we're going to take in the first half of the Bears game. But uh, it's a three-hour drive for me to get home uh, up in Wisconsin. So uh, I'm, there is, after that, I'll, I'll watch it on NFL Network. I'll record it and, and watch the rest of the game. But, but uh, interesting, the Cleveland Browns aren't on the schedule, double A. It's, it would be, they had been on the schedule for years and years and years the last game of, of the preseason, they would alternate right. home field. So it's uh, it's interesting to see that that uh, is no longer the case this year. Yeah, that is interesting for sure. Um, well, the Browns, aren't they? Are the Browns playing? Who's playing in the Hall of Fame game? Is it it's, uh, it's Denver and is it the Browns? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, I know I Denver. I know Denver's playing. I know Denver's playing in it. Um, well, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, that might have something to do with it. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, the, I, I think the Browns training camp is uh, probably the one that's going to be the most circus atmosphere of all of them. So uh, it's fine with me. <laughs> it's, it kind of would have been fun to see to see this uh, uh, the Browns, but um, maybe maybe you're right. It's maybe to stay away from from that circus um, that, yeah. that is going to be the preseason of, of, of the Cleveland Browns football team. So uh, uh, we are at the point where we're going to give away, and if you've been following this show and if you've been following us on Twitter, we promised we would be giving away tickets, two tickets to each preseason game and the winner of the Carolina tickets, uh, his Twitter handle is at T-Bone295. So you're going to be getting a, a message from us on Twitter here after we get done recording. So uh, by the time you hear this, you'll always, always already know that you've won the tickets. Um, and when we announce the second winner, I got to got to tell you that we have not yet spoken to our winners and if they can't attend we will reach out to somebody else who's following us on twitter and until we find two people that will be able to take the tickets and we'll announce uh any um different winners and on next week's show so uh, uh those tickets of course are courtesy of our sponsor ticksplits.com Ticksplits.com is now in their, their, their second full year as a third-party ticket seller. Think of them as a stub hub without the service fees. In fact, you pay no service fees at Ticksplits, only a delivery fee that you also have to pay when, you, when you're working with StubHub or SeatGeek. 
you see these great tickets and then all of a sudden you click on to enter your credit card information and all of a sudden they surprise you with 25 to 30% service fees on top of the tickets and the delivery charge. What you see as far as the price is what you pay at TickSplits. And they've actually put together a, a, a commercial and we're gonna play it right now for your enjoyment. So give a listen to uh, TickSplits. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TickSplits.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TickSplits.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TickSplits.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TickSplits.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. There it is, guys. TickSplits.com. They donate up to 25% of their proceeds to different charities. Um, Camp One Step in Chicago is one. Uh, Pat Max Pack, which is a cancer charity, is another. Um, there is a, a shelter, animal shelter uh that's uh, in Illinois that they've, they've donated to in the past as well. So uh, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just StubHub because StubHub is owned by shareholders. This is actually uh, a, a private entity that does a lot of giving back to Illinois communities. So uh, support them and support uh, tick splits, and they will in turn support charities in the, within the Chicago area. So TickSplits.com, T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z. You can download their app on all of your devices, whether it is, uh, whether it's Apple or on Google Play. Just go to their app store and then type in TickSplits, download the app, and, and uh, buy from TickSplits instead of wasting your money with, with terrible service fees. Well, yeah, that's that's awesome. I didn't even know about the charity aspect of it, so that's great to hear. Uh, and then, as a reminder, you can use the promo code Tailgate to get another five percent off your order. Um, so uh, go out there and get your tickets for anything uh, that you need. That's Tailgate, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. It's all caps, and you'll get five percent off of the ticket prices that are already cheaper than StubHub, SeatGeek, Vivid Seats, even Ticketmaster, because you don't have to pay service fees. Double-A with camp opening and players reporting today, rookies reported a couple of days ago, the veterans are trickling in as we speak, as we're recording today's episode. Um, there's some interesting position battles. Uh, obviously, kicker is one of them. Uh, but uh, that's been beaten to death in every other podcast that's uh, known to Bears fans and Bears Twitter everywhere. So unless you want to talk about the the, the kicker uh, dilemma, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on a couple of other positions. No, I don't think there's much to mention about the kicker thing. Uh, the Pace and Nagy had a presser out in Decatur for their event this past week, and I thought it was interesting. Um, and sort of, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe a little bit concerning, um, you know, is that they basically, you know, admitted as what we all know that nothing is settled um, and, you know, sort of doubled down on the fact that, you know, that nothing is off the table in terms of 
what they might do to, you know, to get a kicker. Um, you know, so my feeling about that whole situation is, you know, I, it doesn't really matter what happens at camp with the kickers. I mean, unless somebody is just awful, they're both going to be on the roster in the preseason games, and it's going to be uh, what happens during that, and then it's going to be who gets cut. Um, you know, watching uh, to see if this uh, Vedvik guy from Baltimore, who's uh, a lot of people are, you know, interested in because he's the backup of Justin Tucker. Um, you know, I've heard uh, people talk about Hauschka, um, who I think is on the, uh, Buffalo's roster right now. Um, you know, there's guys out there. So, you know, my feeling is that Pinero or Fry are going to have to really impress uh, in in the preseason in order for them to be the guy um, and not get supplanted by maybe a veteran who who might hit the uh, market uh, as teams start to cut down. But other than that, there's not a lot to talk about. I mean, you know, it's just – it's kickers. I, I hate that we talk about it as much as we do, um, you know. So I don't – you know, as much as I think people are going to be paying attention to it in training camp, uh, you know, let's not forget that Cody Parkey was uh, was fantastic in training camp. So whatever, it doesn't even, you know, it doesn't, you know, people will be focused on it, but I don't think it means anything what goes on in training camp with kickers. Absolutely, double A. Um, we're going to post a. Uh a poll for the people that are interested in this position battle uh, on Halitech Hall on Twitter. And you can vote who you think the Bears kicker will be going into the regular season opener. Uh, was it going to be Elliot Fry? Is it going to be Eddie Pinheiro? Or is it going to be someone who's not yet on the roster? So uh, so those of you that, that want to continue to talk about the Bears dilemma, um, you're, you're more than welcome to, to have at it uh, on, our, on our Twitter feed. Um, Cody Parkey, obviously, you know, he's, his name is infamous now in, in Bears history. And, and he, you know, he had a terrible year. He hit just about 75% of his kicks. And it wasn't the kicks he made. It was the ones he missed that were so crucial. Uh, he missed a kick against Miami that would have won that game. He missed a kick against the Giants, and that game would have been uh, in the Bears' win column. He missed four kicks against the Jets, even though the Bears won. He doinked them off the upright four times. And you know, either either he's got somebody tweeted uh, yesterday, either he's that bad of a kicker or he's that good of a kicker in being able to hit those posts. And uh, he's got he had a side he had a side gig going with uh, with some side bets to to earn himself some extra cash. So I found that to be pretty hilarious. And and then of course the double doink at the end of the Philadelphia game when the Bears were built had built all this momentum heading into the playoffs, uh, only to find themselves this close to to advancing to the uh, uh, divisional round of the playoffs and, and kicking Philadelphia out. And now Philadelphia is ranked ahead of the Bears in, in all these preseason polls. And quite frankly, I just don't get it. But uh, um, I said we weren't going to talk a little bit about the kickers, and I think we've gone well past that. 
So the first, the first positions that uh, that I want to talk about, Double A, is who are the, going to be the backups behind the starting five offensive line? You've got, you know, we've got a great offensive line. You know, people seem to think that that the tackles are the weak links. You've got Daniel coming in over and switching positions with um, with white hair between center and guard, which will make those two positions that much better because there are the natural uh, positions for those two players. But who do you think are going to be the, the, the backups behind our starting five? Sorry, I was on mute there. Um, I am, you know, I think Ted Larson is probably going to make the team. Um, I think there's a trust level with him since he was on the team before. I, I would look for uh, Rashad Coward um, to be, you know, a backup uh, swing tackle. Um, I would probably look for maybe uh, of the younger guys. I think Alex Bars, um, who's from Notre Dame. Um, is a guy that that uh, will probably has a good chance to make the team, um, you know. So that those guys, uh, I think, are that are there. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more. But there's so many skill position players, um, and, and and Pace has definitely not closed the door on on keeping you know, a high number of skill positions, you know, possibly seven uh, receivers, you know, has been talked about, um, you know, so it, it might be because there's so many uh, skill position players that they're worried about not being able to get to the practice squad that the offensive line is, is where, you know, they'll be using the practice squad uh, to stash guys and, uh, you know, in case of injury, um, the NBC sports, uh, dot com did a pretty good, um, you know, sort of preliminary, uh, idea of what the 53 would be, um, you know, and, and, uh, they, they were saying that, um, you know, some of these guys like, uh, TJ Clemmings, who used to be on the Vikings, um, you know, and then the Sam Mustafer, who was another guy from Notre Dame, um, will be um, will be cuts. Uh, and then there's a bunch of random names, you know, Blake Blackmar, Marquez Tucker, Jordan McRae, Joe Lowry, Cornelius Lucas. I mean, I don't know anything about these guys, to be honest, um, but they have the Bears keeping eight offensive linemen. Um, so, you know, I could see um, the one thing about. Uh, they moved so well over to tight end and he lost a lot of weight. Um, so a lot of people have been basically, you know, sort of saying that that's kind of a handshake deal. Like, Hey, if you move over to tight end and, and drop the weight, you know, there's basically no way you're going to get cut unless you get injured. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's still going to be a, uh, uh, you know, a blocking tight end or what the, what the role is there. So that might be a position, um, where they do that. But yeah, that, that's what I think. You mentioned a couple of names on that, uh, you know, this this kid, uh, Marquez Tucker, uh, Sam Mustafer, Jordan McRae. You, know, you take a look at, you can go to chicagobears.com and click on roster and then sort by position. And you can see all these guys. And you look at who they have 
in their their roster right now, and you've got uh, hold on one second. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven guys on the roster that are either rookies or it, or it only have one or two years of experience uh, right. in the NFL. So there's a lot of young talent there, and I think you're right. You're going to see. Uh, a couple of those guys stashed on the on the practice squad for sure. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the big question with the offensive line to me is, uh, can Kyle Long stay healthy for the entire season, which obviously we hope happens, but it's not happened in a long time, so I don't know if you can count on it. Um, and then, you know, uh, <clears throat> I'm not worried about uh, Cody and James Daniels. I think that's going to be really good. Um you know, in terms of uh, that, and, you know, I hope we just don't have to talk about snaps. Uh, that was one of the more annoying things that we had to deal with last year was Cody Whitehair's snaps. And, um, you know, from what I understand, James Daniels gives a more traditional snap, which is good because Cody was doing these funky uh, sort of no spin, you know, the ball kind of comes in flat right at Mitch and he has to spin it to get it into position. And, so, you know, uh, with the amount of uh, time that the Bears are in shotgun, it's really important uh, in, in, a, in a, that this offense where they're, um, you know, doing a mesh point with the uh, running back and, you know, one little split second where Mitch has to spin the ball to get it into position in his hand makes a difference. So um, I, I'm excited to see James Daniels uh, hopefully clean that up. Uh, in terms of the snap and the, the exchange. Absolutely. That was that was a big concern early on. Later in the year, you know, it didn't seem as white hair had as much problems as he did earlier in the year, which was ironic because as weather got colder, his snaps actually got better mm-hmm. over the year. But um, you know, this is this is Daniel's regular, his natural position. Uh, he's a year. He's a year older in the league, so he now should be able to make the the line adjustments. And if he misses something, he's got white hair right next to him to to, to overrule him or say, "Hey, watch this." Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that you've got like two two sets of eyes looking at the defense, being able to say. Uh, maybe we should make this adjustment. And of course, Trubisky can make line adjustments as well. So, so I think that it's the offensive line is, is a strength for the bears going into this year. And Mm -hmm. and if we don't have to worry about the snaps, like we did earlier in the year in, in 2018, that's going to make the timing of the offensive play that much better. And as you mentioned, this is an offense that's, most of the plays are based on time, uh, yep. on specific timing. The ball's got to get to the quarterback. He's got to put it, you know, on the on these run play options, run pass options. He's got to get it into the running back's midsection, pull it out if what he sees, if he reads something that he needs, and, and then throw a pass or keep the ball and run it himself. So it's going to be an interesting. Uh, just to watch how these snaps come out of Daniels going forward. So, uh, like you said, the offensive line, the starting five is a no-brainer, but finding those three or four guys 
behind him is just going to be an interesting thing to watch. The next position battle, or at least position group, that I think that Bears fans need to watch and watch closely going into the preseason is the wide receiver spot. Now, obviously, you've got four guys that are absolute locks and less injuries, and that's Robinson, Miller, Gabriel, and Peterson. And then behind them, you know, they've got they've got Emmanuel Hall, Marvin Hall, they've got Wims, that was the rookie. They kind of stood out in the preseason preseason last year. They've got the rookie this year, Riley Ridley, that we have heard nothing but high praise from since he got drafted. And then, you know, you still got some guys that will end up on the practice squad. I think Tanner Gentry is still around. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with the wide receiver position. There's a kid named Thomas Ives who's a rookie out of Colgate. Uh, Taquan Mizell is still there. Um, you know, the Bears – Bears fans probably hated on Mizell towards the end of last year, saying, why is he on the field? Why is he on the field? Why is he? Well, he was on the field because he produced, and the coaches liked what he had to offer both offensively and on special teams. So it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, what goes on there. They got this kid, Jordan Williams uh, Lambert, out of Ball State, uh, he's going to be uh, somebody to, to kind of keep an eye on. He's a six foot three uh, wide receiver, so he's got some length. Uh, and then Javon Wims. Uh, Javon Wims kind of stole the hearts of a lot of Bears fans last year with his performance in the preseason, and he was pretty much relegated to the practice squad all year. And I think he got into maybe a couple games later in the season. I think he might have caught one pass for his entire 2018 year. So that position, we talked about it before, probably has more depth at wide receiver than any time in the history of the franchise. That's a strong statement, but I'll stand by it. Aaron, what are your thoughts about the wide receiver group? Well, I mean, I think I think uh, you said it pretty well. Um, I uh, we talked to we had Aaron Lemming on our on the, the tailgate show this past week, and um, uh, you know he kind of echoed some of what you said. Um, you know, I think Riley Ridley, uh, you know, feels like has he has a really good chance to make the team. Um, I would say Marvin Hall uh, is a guy that not a lot of people are talking about, but he's a guy with some experience and a lot of speed. Um, I kind of hope and I'm not sure if it's going to happen but I would look for them maybe to try to um, kind of do like an IR thing with Emmanuel Hall because he you know did have hernia surgery in the offseason um, and you know he might be a guy that you know if if they don't see the opportunity um, you know to kind of get him a lot of reps uh, that maybe they can stash him on IR um, and protect him from because he's a guy that I don't think will make it to the practice squad. Um, you know, Javon Wims will not make it to the practice squad. Um, t- take one, Mizell. I think you're right. I, you know, I I, th- I think you know he has some ability. Um, I would say that people's frustration with him was that he seemed to be out there in, in rather key situations. Um, but I would I think that you know Nagy's thought process with that was Mizell was doing the correct things. He was running 
the correct routes. The execution on the plays may not have been what it should have been, and, and maybe the play calls were a little bit weird. There were some strange third downs that a lot of people were wringing their hands about where it was Mizell and everybody knew, didn't know why. But, um, you know, uh, from from what I gather with Nagy and Helfrich and um, the the coaching staff, it's it's – almost more important that you're doing things correctly than it is that you're getting production doing things incorrectly. So, you know, that was something that uh, the wide receivers coach was kind of critical of Anthony Miller on, even though here's Anthony Miller and he's everybody's so enamored with how good he is. Um, you know, they don't want to see any like freelancing out there. Uh, from the wide receiver position. Um, and so, you know, they, a guy like Riley Ridley, who's known for uh, his route running, is going to be a guy that, that you know, everybody expects to stand out. And obviously he has great hands. He, he's very driven. Uh, he wants to, you know, be as good as his brother is, um, you know, who, who came into the league and, and was somebody that the Bears kind of had, you know, a lot of Bears fans wanted them to draft Calvin Ridley, but, you know, he went pretty high. Um, and obviously, I think we're happy with Anthony Miller. But, you know, that's what I think. I mean, I think that, um, you know, NBC Sports had Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, Corderell Patterson, Riley Ridley, and Marvin Hall making the team. Um, you know, Javon Wims, uh, we'll see. Uh, he did have some some splash plays. But, again, I, I go back to this, and, you know, people would talk about it with Kevin White, uh, you know, Nagy really gives opportunities to anybody who shows ability in practice. I mean, you know, Bradley Sowell caught touchdowns. You know, they got defensive players on the field doing offensive plays. Um, so I feel like, you know, if if these guys like Wims and Kevin White last year were really doing what they needed to do, then they would have been on the field more. Um, and so even though they might have had some some moments – um, at the end of the day, I think it, you know, it really is a meritocracy with with Nagy and Pace in the sense that, you know, if you put in the work and you're doing the right things in practice, then you're going to see uh, the field. Um, and so, you know, it, even though Wims, you know, it, like you said, has been kind of a, a, a darling of the fans and whatnot, um, you know, this is a huge camp for him. I mean, but he's a guy that when he gets cut will definitely get snapped up by some other teams. But again, we're talking about a seventh round pick. I mean, the, the amazing amount of depth, as you mentioned from, from last year to this year, uh, or not from last year, necessarily from two years ago, uh, and Lester Wilfong tweeted about it. You know, um, we just had some straight bums on the wide receiver core um, last year, you know, Deontay Thompson and, I mean, just just bums, <laughs> you know, and, and Bellamy had his special teams moments. But, I mean, to go from that wide receiver core in 2017, which was just garbage, um, to these guys, which, you know, is one of the better ones in the league, uh, has, is a testament to, to pace. So um, it'll be interesting. But, again, it's another, it's another group that we're going to camp knowing our starters, which is not a – I mean, at the wide receiver position, I don't know when – the last time the Bears could say that they knew who the four starters were. I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened. Maybe, maybe you know, but it, when it happened before, I don't know if we cared about four wide receivers. You know, like Galton Gentry days, like, <laughs> you know, uh, 
there's always been a question mark at the at a third and fourth receiver for the Bears. So for us to be talking about number six and seven, I mean that's pretty crazy. Absolutely. The uh, yeah, I, I wish I could have uh, found while you were talking uh, Will Fong's article on Twitter about who the Bears starting wide receivers were just two years ago to begin 2017. And it is absolutely mind-boggling to see the metamorphosis that that one position group has Here it is. I, I found in, in it. the last two years. I found it. It's It was Kevin White, Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton, Deontay Thompson, Josh Bellamy, and Trey McBride. <laughs> and, and now you've got Robinson, Miller, Gabriel, Patterson, Ridley, and Hall, um, and perhaps Wims. Yeah. So it's just, it's absolutely uh, mind-boggling to see how much better equipped, better tools that, that a Bears quarterback has going into this year. Yeah. Uh, Tight end is another position that I think Bears watching. You know, we know who, you know that, that Shaheen's going to be there if, if he stays healthy. You know that Burton's going to be there. Uh, I love what Burton was able to do uh, as, as his first year with the Bears. He seemed to develop a great chemistry with, with Trubisky. Then you've got, you got Browniker. You've got uh, Dax Raymond is another guy Kind of like what, about Ridley at, at wide receiver. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of rumbling going on about what this kid is able to do at the tight end position. And then you've got you've got Soul, who we talked about earlier. I think that that unless something happens, he's pretty much guaranteed a, a, a roster spot. As you said, he's his he's got his weight down to 255. Uh, he can obviously be in as a as a third lineman on one side when they're when they're trying to uh, you know put in their their big I think some some teams call it the elephant package where they have all of these huge linemen in to get short yardage but then he can break out and go out and catch a pass like he did against the Rams uh, you know that, that that won the game for him on that Monday night in Chicago. So that's going to be a spot. It's going to be interesting to see how the tight end position evolves this year uh, because uh, Shaheen got injured in the preseason. Uh, Burton got injured at the end of the season. You didn't have a lot in in the way of tight ends for that game against uh, Philadelphia. So that position could be huge for the Bears in in 2019 uh, for to, to, to open up the you get people down the middle of the field so a safety has to come up which opens up the outside edges for the wide receivers that's going to be a lot of fun to watch what's your take on the tight end position Aaron yeah I think you you pretty much covered it um you know I've heard a lot of uh Bears fans kind of down on on Burton um I don't know if that's really fair um I I definitely you know I didn't I didn't love how the whole injury thing was handled. I think from a, a just for I think it was a bad PR issue. It wasn't really um, wasn't really anything much else to it. But 
but the the way that it was kind of a, I mean, it's, it took them by surprise. So I don't think they knew what to do. But then, you know, Burton was on the radio and and was talking about his mental health uh, issues, which are, you know, I mean, that should be treated just like any other injury, truthfully. Um, you know, and, and the fact that it's stigmatized in football is is not is messed up, to be honest. I mean, because, you know, if if you're not, you know, you have to be uh, 100% mentally and physically to play any sport, but especially football where you're literally, you know, kind of risking your life, um, you know, so it's not. Um, but, you know, I mean, I would say that overall Burton had a pretty good year, I think for, for the, 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 what they expected and the, and the money they put into him, you know, I would grade his season probably like a B minus, um, you know, uh, but again, it's another position group where we really, uh, upgraded ourselves. I mean, you know, we're not talking, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, Dion Sims, which we were, you know, who were paying a bunch of money to, to basically do nothing, um, you know, and so forth. And of course, you know, everybody loved Zach Miller, but the injuries, you know, tragically, uh, caught up with him. Um, you know, so what, what I think what Nagy wants out of this position is, you know, just like what he wants out of the running back position is guys who are extremely versatile that have the defense shaking their heads. They don't know what they're going to do. A particular personnel grouping could be, uh, a run it could be a pass you know um and then what they're gonna you know what they're gonna use is they use motion and they use uh shifting in order to tell make the defense show their hand um you know and so if you have you know what what looks like a, a three tight end personnel group but you have tight ends that all of a sudden can split out wide the defense is gonna freak out <laughs> i mean you know so it, you know, and and so that's that's what you know that's what you need. Um, I think Dax Raymond is is you know he's gonna really have to mess up to not make this team. I think they really like him. You know, he's a really high character guy. They've you know they seem to be invested in a lot of you know kind of extra stuff with him telling his story. You know, he went to BYU. He spent a year in Siberia. He learned Russian. It's like we know all this stuff about him. That's not by accident. You know, uh, he's kind of you know, got a great uh, sort of character backstory, sort of like David Montgomery does. Um, and then obviously he's got the measurables and the, um, you know, the, the uh, looks like he's got the ability to, to uh, make the roster, uh, you know, and then of course, Adam Shaheen, this is it for him. As far as I'm concerned, I, I never liked the pick of Adam Shaheen. Uh, I think it's one of Pace's kind of misses, um, <clears throat> you know, somebody <clears throat> brought up the other day that, you know, George Kittle was selected 100 picks behind uh, Adam Shaheen. So, you know, tight end talent evaluation hasn't necessarily been Pace's strong suit. Um, and I think throughout the league, you see teams all trying to find that next Gronk and name everybody, oh, he's baby Gronk, he's Gronk, he's Gronk, you know. And before that, it was the next Jimmy Graham and, you know, find the guy that played basketball and – you know, at the end of the day, it's a tough position because you need to be able to do both. You got to get in the trenches sometimes, and then you got to be a skill position player sometimes. And it's it's I think it's very hard to find a guy who can get punched in the mouth by a defensive end on one play and then run a seam route the next play 
and do it well. And then I think Trubisky, one of his weaknesses as a thrower has been throwing to the seams. And so, you know, maybe, um, you know, as he gets more comfortable, we'll see more of that, um, you know, from, from production from that group. But it, it's, it, I would say behind kicker tight end is the biggest question mark for me in terms of the strength of the position group. The last group that we'll talk about on today's show is running back. How excited are you to see what you know, we've, they've been tagged run DMC. I think we have to add another C to that. So run DMCC with Davis, Montgomery, Cohen, and Cordero. Right. I had to use his first name because run, run DMCP didn't sound good enough. Um, <laughs> And here's what's exciting about this: you can line up Cordero Patterson, at, you know, as as a eye back, the dotting the eye in the eye formation, put him in motion, and get him on a linebacker. If he gets isolated on an, on a linebacker, game over. Mm-hmm. Game game over. How are the how are defenses gonna gonna pick who to cover? Coming yep. out of that out of that backfield, you can all of a sudden line up with with a traditional two tight end, one wide receiver, and, and two running backs. Let's and let's just say it's Cordero Patterson and Tariq Cohen, and all of a sudden, and they're in a traditional front. They're in a four three. They're not in nickel, not in dime. And then all of a sudden, you shift and you empty out the backfield. Who are you going to cover? Who are you going to cover with your defensive back? Who are you going to cover with your safeties? You've got a linebacker on somebody. It's going to be interesting to see what what this position is going to do. And and it's it's just fun watching Matt Nagy talk about his running backs. And he's like he's salivating. He yeah. just can't he just can't wait to put these guys in a position to just create havoc on, on team defenses. So um, I don't know much about Davis. Montgomery's been getting all the hype uh, during the offseason, but I think Davis is going to have a key role in this team. I think sharing the ball with between Davis and Montgomery running with a little bit of Cohen mixed in and a little bit of Cordero Patterson mixed in, but I think you're going to see more uh, – of Cohen and Patterson catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what you, what you said is is on point. Um, you know, uh, Davis was was pretty productive. I mean, he had a 4.6 uh, yard per carry average. Um, he caught 34 passes um, for 214 yards uh, for the Seahawks. Um, you know, he's he's versatile, um, and and my hope is that they they don't need any type of a fullback position and that allows them to keep a Kareth white um around for special teams and you know for a for a change of pace um back but yeah i mean you're right you know uh dan durkin did a really good breakdown online about um how they use cohen um and how they are able to get him isolated on a linebacker and use the wheel route and different types of things well now you got a bunch of guys that can do that, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, no no 
shade on Jordan Howard, but his limitations were pretty uh, easy to see in terms of, um, you know, running routes. Uh, not that he couldn't catch the ball if the ball was put right on him, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of being able to get to the spot in time. Um, and I, he just didn't really have the, the route running ability to get to that. And, um, you know, David Montgomery, his old coach at Iowa State, called him the best route runner on the team. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of hype around these guys, but I think it's warranted. Uh, and, you know, it's you got a lot of guys, that, and that's what Nagy wants, is a lot of these Swiss Army knife type of guys who can do almost anything and, and you know, will be very unpredictable with the personnel groupings. I mean, I, I wanted to see a lot more of Jordan Howard and Cohen on the field at the same time last year, but, you know, I'll trust Nagy and Helfrich. You know, they know a lot more than I do, but I think you're going to see – um, more of those two back sets um, and more times where, I mean, can you imagine when you have Cohen and Montgomery on the field together what's the defense going to do? I mean, they don't, you know, they could stay, they could both stay in the backfield. Um, you know, they, they could, you know, just like they started the season last year with a T formation, you know, imagine your T formation with, with Cohen Davis and Montgomery, you know, the run DMC formation, um, <laughs> you know, coming at you. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's really exciting, uh, you know, and it's, I haven't been this excited about, um, bears running back since Forte, um, left. And, you know, obviously Jordan Howard was, was fine, but I wouldn't really call his running very exciting. Um, you know, when he, maybe when he got ahead of steam and broke some tackles, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's going to be fun. Uh, I will say that I don't think we're going to see Montgomery in the preseason very much at all. I think they're going to hide him. Uh, they did that with even um, Dowell Loggins did it with Cohen uh, back in the day. So I would say uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are like, why are we seeing Montgomery? And it's because they don't want to get anything that they're going to do with him on tape um, because I think there's going to be all kinds of funky stuff. So <laughs> we might be, uh, we might we might be uh, a bit not not see we might see a lot of Kareth White, um, you know, uh, back there, which would be cool because he's got some talent too. Absolutely, it's going to be interesting, and I, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I don't think you're going to see any position group groupings in the preseason that the Bears are going to throw away Green Bay in the first quarter. Oh yeah, no way. You know, I I loved this, you know, and. With Nagy's nod to history, the very first game against the Packers last year, the T formation, uh, you know, you know what he called the formation? Do you remember? Oh, I forgot. Papa Bear. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yep. The, the play was called Papa Bear left. Mm-hmm. And it went for seven yards. It was, yep. it was a good play. I think we only saw that that uh, um, Papa Bear formation maybe one or two other times in the entire the entire regular season, but you're you're absolutely right. This is going to be. I just can't wait for September fifth. Yeah. Aaron and I will be uh, in. I believe it's section four forty four on September fifth. Uh, we want you to come and join us. Uh, please, if you see us, stop by and say hello. Speaking of tickets, couple announcements we're going to make. If we get to 500 followers on Twitter, TickSplits is gladly going to give us two tickets to the Detroit home game. 
to give away on the show prior to that game. And now it's time to give away the tickets for the last preseason game of the year against Tennessee. And that lucky winner is Matt Miles. He's at MilesK16 on Twitter. We'll be reaching out to you shortly. And I hope that both of our winners can attend the games. If not, we will pick alternate winners because those tickets will be given away. So we want to say uh, a big thanks to uh, TickSplits for providing us with tickets to give away for their promotional use. Um, Aaron, we can't leave the show today without a couple of things. Number one, you mentioned barnstorming years. And the barnstorming year for the Bears happened to be in 19... 25. The Bears played 29 games that year, and 14, 18 of them were actually league games. Games, rest were the barnstorming exhibition games, and they played California. They play. I could, I could go on, but I think we're kind of pressed against time right now. But it was uh, a lot of a lot of. Uh, that barnstorming is what really put the NFL on the map. And, of course, none other than George Hallis and, and Red Grange were the, the masterminds be, behind that. Have to wish two birthdays. This is going to be kind of fun. The Bears opened training camp today. You know whose birthday it is today? I don't. Walter Payton. Oh, that's right. Of course, I do. I yeah. forgot. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Walter Payton. I, yeah. I believe I believe he would have been 66 today yeah. if he if he had still been alive. So the Bears open their season on Walter Payton's birthday. Super Bowl Sunday is George Hallis's birthday. Nice. Okay. So uh, how? How fitting that the season for the Bears begins on Walter Payton's birthday. And hopefully the, and please follow this on Twitter, hashtag March to Miami. March to Miami begins today. It ends on George Hallis' birthday at the Super Bowl. And we hope the Bears are there uh, throughout the season, ending up in the Super Bowl with their second Super Bowl victory and their 10th world championship in the National Football League overall. So uh, that does it for this week's edition of Halitech Hall. We thank you guys for listening in. Uh, please follow us. Please retweet us. Please get your friends and fellow Bear fans to follow us. If we get to 500 followers, uh, we can give away two tickets to the Bears game against Detroit, which I believe is in November. I think it's the uh, day before Veterans Day. So I think it's November 10th. And I'll have uh, more specific information about the ticket giveaway uh, on next week's show. So uh, on behalf of uh, AA, and thanks to Tick Splits, another episode of Halitech Hall is in the books. Aaron? Yeah. Yes, sir. Thanks, uh, as always. Um, and, and please uh, go out there and rate, subscribe uh, on, on iTunes, on Podbean. Uh, if you could follow us, uh, that'd be amazing. Uh, you know, we really appreciate all the interaction um, on the Twitter handle. Um, you know, uh, we may ask some questions. Um, 
you know, uh, and so forth. And then obviously be watching out for uh, the giveaways um, that we'll have uh, when you listen to the show. Um, you know, shout out to to the people that have, um, you know, interacted with us. We've got uh, fans all around the country and uh, all around the world even. We've got some some listeners. Um, so, um, you know, I will uh, was going to mention one um, question that uh, Chris Armstrong uh, asked, um, you know, and, and I think we touched on this and how we feel about it um, before we close it out. And she asked, will Montgomery be the great number 32 running back for the beloved? Uh, it certainly wasn't said Ben, Cedric Benson. Um, so, you know, uh, I think as we've talked about Montgomery, we love his chances. Um to to finally be that number 32 uh that uh that does great things uh for our beloved bears um so thanks for uh following us chris uh she's a great bears fan um i'm sure she'll be out at some games i met her um over at my restaurant last year and um she's she's a great fan so we appreciate the the question and the interaction and, uh, yeah, just another great episode of uh, How Tech Hall, doing what we do, talk about the past, talk about the present, and uh, talk about our lovely Chicago Bears. Hey, Aaron. Uh, yes, sir. Be- before we before we sign off, I'm kind of glad you talked about Chris's question. I actually did a little research about that question, mm-hmm. so I want to thank Chris for sending it in. Uh, you know, Cedric Benson was a first-round draft choice. He held out. Uh, and that kind of left a bad taste because nobody held out back in those days. And and I believe he, his holdout lasted like 17 or 18 games. He came in, and the, the you know, there was a lot of clicks back in those days. And Thomas Jones, which was a great running back for the, for the Bears in that era, was really tight with the defense and you know they took a couple they being the the starters on defense took a, took a couple of real pops took some shots on Benson when he was running the ball and he ended up separating his shoulder and missed the first part of the season so he was never he was never right in his rookie year uh, he actually played really well and he actually had more yards the last five games of their Super Bowl season in 06 than Thomas Jones did. He had better rushing average. He had more yards. And he really pulled his own weight back in 2006. Sadly, he got injured at the beginning of of that game. I think he had two carries. He fumbled his first carry, and he got injured on his second carry. And sadly, the Bears' offense went away from the running game, which was working really well against the Colts. And then, you know, Thomas Jones left the team, and, and he had some really good uh, uh, games for the Bears, he, he being Cedric Benson. And then he, he suffered, I believe, an ankle injury against the game, a game uh, against Denver uh, when he was really starting to put together a, a really, really good year. And sadly, was, he was never the same after that. He, he got cut, uh, and then he ended up going to Cincinnati, in that year, the Bears actually played Cincinnati in Cincinnati, and Cedric Benson rushed for something like 155 yards against the Bears. And, you know, after the game, he said, you know, it, it, we, he tried not to make it revenge, uh, but 
how could he not? He really, he really had that game marked on his calendar, and he played really well against the Bears that game. Uh, Cedric Benson, I, I wish he would have had a different career in Chicago. He was a good running back. Unfortunately, he wasn't the running back we anticipated when we drafted him, but uh, injuries had a lot to do with that. He got off to the, a wrong foot with the team with his holdout, and it just kind of spiraled from there. So, Chris, great question. Please, uh, so for those of you, you can either ask a question at Halitech Hall or you can follow us at halitechhall at gmail.com. Shoot us a question there. So, uh, Chris, thanks again. Keep listening. Yes, we have international. We I know we have listeners and followers in both Canada and England. I know we have at least two out of England. So uh, it's great to be recognized internationally with Halitech Hall and AA and, and myself, Michael Halitech. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yes, thanks. Uh, thanks again. Uh, just one little tidbit I just thought of is that in that draft, 2005, Cedric Benson was selected fourth. Uh, of course, Aaron Rodgers was wasn't selected until the 24th pick of that draft. So what a difference! What a different story we might be talking about if, for some reason, the Bears had had the uh, the the wherewithal to draft the best player available and uh, maybe have taken taking Aaron Rodgers, what a change of history that might have been. Um, but uh, just leave you with that, and uh, thanks so much. Uh, great episode, great fun as always, and uh, we appreciate all the support on Hal Tech Hall. Thanks so much. 